Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule, and today is a very glorious day. Uh, I've been trying to make this happen for a little while, but we're parked up in a brand spanking new Italian restaurant in the Marina of Santalalia in my hometown. Um, I'm very decadent, really, just sitting here with a, a couple of glasses of white wine with today's guest at Da Giovanelli Restaurant. Um, literally the most incredible food thus far lovely service wonderful people um and today's guest is alina uh, who's a harpist from the ukraine welcome to the reset rebel thank you very much it's amazing to be here with you i mean i gather that you're um on the island making an album at the moment so we'll get into that uh, in a wee while but uh, starting off with obviously the fact that you divide your time between here and london how's that how's that been going and when did that start to to be your storyline? When did you start to split your time between the two places? Well, I came to Ibiza about 10 years ago as a tourist and I really loved the vibe and I felt like when I stood on the ground here, it was something magical happening to me. I just loved the air, I loved I loved how I fell here and I wanted to come back. And then because I really loved the sea, I thought it would be amazing if I can actually live here. I didn't know at the time all, all about all the challenges, but I, I'm not afraid of challenges. So I came here last year for the jazz festival and uh, I played with a wonderful saxophonist, Muriel Grossman, who is now local here as well for the last 15, 16 years. And uh, she invited me to play with her band. And I brought my harp because the island didn't have a harp. So we had to decide what we do. We want a concert, the harp has to come. So I drove from London here and um, the harp loved the island too. And that's how the whole this affair started <laughs> with, with the island. And I'm just between London and Ireland and I try to come here every time to do some work, to enjoy, to to just to to live really. So yeah, I'm trying to make it home and I feel I feel home now. Yes. You look like you're home, that's for sure, especially sipping a, a glass of Pinot Grigio on a December afternoon in the run-up to Christmas. I mean, I know that it's not that simple to take your harp anywhere, actually, and you've had a few slightly precarious scenarios that have cropped up. I mean, how difficult and how, you know, how big is a harp? How heavy is a harp? How easy is it to transport that and just decide on the spur of the moment to bring it to Ibiza? Well, I have um, two harps. Um, one is a um, proper big classical Lion Healy harp from America, from Chicago, which traveled with me here. Uh, and then uh, I have another Celtic harp, which also traveled with me. And this is obviously much easier instrument to carry around. So if I want to inspire, be inspired by the sea, I just take the little harp to the beach and I just sit down and play. And that's the blessing when you can actually do this 
uh, at your doorstep. You don't need to travel too much. So I did travel 30 plus hours with my instruments on the car from London here. But, you know, it was worth it because now I have my instruments here and I can do whatever I want. And then when I go to, back to London, I have another harp there waiting for me. So it's all kind of under control. It sometimes, sometimes really makes me feel like uh, I'm a bit crazy, you know, trying to do all the things between two houses. But I think it's possible. And um, when you get a bit older, you just um, reflect on your life and you think, um, what is really good for you? What, you know, we always dream about things, but I think it's important to live your dream as well. Otherwise, you will never get anywhere. And I think this is kind of my motto. Just live my dream. And that's what's happening. Amazing. Good for you. I mean, when did you start? I mean, you started playing the harp at seven years old. I mean, how did that all begin? In the Ukraine? Yes, yes. I was, um, I, I'm, I'm coming from very musical and very artistic family. And my parents always encouraged me and my brother and sister to do arts and music. And um, both my brother and sisters are architects and I am a professional musician. Um, Starting the music age of five, uh, playing the piano, was already something that maybe was some people would think, oh, it's too early. But actually, it was very natural because music was always around the house. So for, for children to come and just touch the instrument was very normal. And my mom was teaching me piano when I was five. And then when I was seven, my parents decided that that was time for me to go to study music professionally and in Ukraine uh, at that time it was still Soviet Union and you know the system of education was very rigorous it was like I was in the army when I went to this music school so in one uh, way I got a really really solid great education but from another side I think it kind of killed my joy and my, my spirit a little bit so I was always wondering, is it what I want to do uh, professionally, you know? Is my profession going to be all about competition, stress, goals? Because what what is actually music? What is art? It's a process of being happy, a process of sharing something important that you have to say through your musical instruments or through your arts. So, I think later on I had to deconstruct everything in my life and start almost like from scratch to see what makes me happy. Is music making me happy? If I want music to make me happy, what do I need to do for this? So it took a while, but um, I realized that I just need to enjoy every moment of practice, every moment of travel, every moment of being on stage and not just make a goal and just run to this goal or win the competition no matter what price I pay. So I think that really changed my attitude to everything I do in life and that's what I try to teach my students as well, that the most important thing is to enjoy the process rather than just look for the goal. So talk to me about this um, this music school. I mean, you say it was quite military and quite obviously disciplined. And how do you think that the Ukraine has sort of developed since then? Well, to be a rebel as I am, <laughs> it was incredibly difficult to to 
<clears throat> have good good uh, marks for discipline. I had good marks for almost everything, but not for my discipline. I was always talking back to teachers. I always tried to find a way, you know, of hearing my voice, um, uh, them to hear my voice. And I think uh, maybe the system of education changed a little bit now because Ukraine did um do some uh big made, made big steps uh to become more european country and they also had to accept lots of uh the values from from europe which was somewhere there but you know was the was the oppression from soviet russia and it was always very difficult to to be who we wanted to be but we were always rebels and that's why the situation is now like it is between Russia and Ukraine that Russia couldn't stand to have a rebel country next to them you know who didn't want to do exactly what they wanted but being at school I also felt that uh, there were lots of rules that were just giving to us and I didn't understand why it had to be like this uh, now when I go back to Ukraine I can see children being much more freer you know they speak many languages they can express themselves so I think I think things definitely change into some better shapes also in my school I was in the music boarding school when I visited there two years ago they actually had hot showers now and when I was there there was only cold showers so you can imagine why I hated it very much you know and that's why I want to live in a hot country <laughs> I think because I have these things blame you. from the childhood which I didn't like you know all this cold water and 6 a.m. wake up call no I don't do this anymore <laughs> why do you think Ukraine is so rebellious living next to such a militant country what, what do you think kind of inspires that exactly I think uh, Ukrainian people have very deep roots uh, and they understand their identity very well. When I think Russians are not totally sure who they are and what they are because they allow the government to manipulate them much easier when somehow Ukrainians, uh, if you look at the history of Ukraine, we have uh, we had Cossacks, we had uh, uh, lots of uh, even even musically, you know, we had such a strong tradition of culture and music that um, if people try to take it away from you, it's like they're trying to rip your heart out, and that's why we would fight for being who we are because we're so connected to this roots you know and um, Russians somehow I think they lost their almost their identity they only see power is their identity you know being a bully is their identity but that's wrong because it doesn't make them strong and uh, I think yes uh, uh, it's very hard situation at the moment what's happening in Ukraine and I do lots and lots of uh, charity work to support uh, Ukrainian people. And since the beginning of the invasion, we've done over 50 concerts, uh, beneficial concerts for Ukraine, and collected over 50,000 euros for 
for uh, the children, for orphans, for animals. Uh, we supported the army very heavily at the beginning of the war, especially. So, and I think this is important to remember what's happening there because life goes on, and now the war is for two years on almost, and people get a bit tired of it. And I can say that even making money, you know, from the nation is much harder now because we have other priorities as well and yeah it's it's difficult but we cannot forget that people are there still suffering and they need our support so i just had an amazing concert this sunday in a mucus gallery in ibiza and people were so generous and beautiful we collected over 300 euros just in one afternoon to support um rescue animal uh, charity in ukraine which i just went to see a few months ago and people are there incredible and animals definitely need some support so that's a little thing we can do I love Aspasia Mikas I think it's one of those magical little kind of rabbit warrens that you just don't really know exists actually on the island and um, there's not you know masses amounts of museums or art galleries here I mean there are probably more art galleries I guess but they're quite hidden in some ways it kind of takes a little bit of time to kind of find those artistic little spaces and places that are kind of um, hidden away how did that how did your gig come about there out of interest because I love I love the ladies the sisters yes, yes. of the of the man I who created met, it uh, Katya the daughter of uh, the artist um, I met her last year when they had some event of um, book um, representation and um, they called me Sri Muriel Grossman they called me and uh, asked me if I want to come and play a little bit of jazz that it would be appropriate for the event and then I went there and I absolutely fell in love with the space and people and the whole arts I just loved it and I, and I wanted to go back and do some charity concerts there and they were very open for this so we've done two concerts in this year already and we collected some good amount of money and also the awareness it's important I think it's sometimes not even about the amount you make it's more what you make people to feel like you know than they're part of of this uh, of this uh, charity and that's uh, very important so yeah that's how I, I got there it was uh, very very nice for me to make friends there how was your time in America when you went over there to do a master's uh, in in jazz wow that was very tough because I decided to do masters in one year and it was very intense and at that time my son was only four and I had to really leave him sometimes in the clock room with people, you know, or just playing in the backstage quietly or reading something uh, and just did my job and, and study. So it was, it was very intense, but it was also some kind of eye-opening for me what I can do on stage as a musician, what I can... Um, give my audience because being classically trained you are kind of a part of of the machine you know that is already established and the music is written by somebody else and you just go there and try your personal best to recreate something that somebody already made 
when you play jazz, it's like language of freedom. It's language of improvisation, of uh, constant movement. So you never really know what can happen next moment. You can predict, but it can change in in split of the second. So that's what I loved as well. And um, it was very nice to work with Dr. Carol McLaughlin, who is unfortunately not with us anymore. She died of cancer a few years ago. Massive loss for the community of not just harpists, but... Um, like music community, contemporary community. She was a great uh, person, a very strong composer and, uh, and, and a performer. But she also taught me how to enjoy what I do and um, how to be a real harpist, I would say. You know, when you go on stage and you have this confidence of what you do and enjoyment... And every note you play means something. And that was very important to discuss with her and discover how she was doing it. And I think that was the most important lesson. Not even my master's in honor, I got all this kind of good marks and stuff, but I think the most important was what I've learned from her about life and about being a musician, who I wanted to be. I think if I didn't meet her, I probably would struggle to identify myself with my music, you know. She really taught me the way how I could get where I wanted to be. When did you realize in your, you know, the learning of the harp that you wanted to take it in the direction of jazz? I mean, where, you know, who inspired you to take that path initially? The biggest... I think the biggest uh, inspiration was listening to the music of Alice Coltrane. I was probably still a teenager, yeah, but 18, 19, when I first heard her records. And I could not believe that somebody can play the harp this way. It was pure freedom. It scared me because I, at the time I was classically trained and I didn't really understand how someone can do such thing, you know. And it took me quite a while to get to that point where I thought I'm strong enough to do this myself. And uh, I studied her. Um, uh, I studied her recordings quite a lot, and uh, it was interesting because, you know. Uh, her music was never written, so everything I had to take from the record by ear, like second by second, basically. And so if you listen to her music, you can you can understand that uh, some of the parts are really wild. So it took me a while. I spent all winter just listening and and uh, transcribing her things. And then I put it all in my first record, um, Inspirations, with uh, Tony Kofi as a lead saxophonist, and, and was my quartet in London, my first uh, solid work in 2017. And that, I think, was my biggest inspiration. And then, of course, there were others, uh, like I already mentioned, Dr. Carol McLaughlin, and... Uh, 
I also love music of Dorothy Ashby, which is another amazing harpist that was a bit underrated, I think, but she worked with everyone. In Motown, she was the most important harpist at her time. Um, yeah, so now, even now, you know, I, I love listening to contemporary musicians and I get inspired all the time, every day, by somebody. It doesn't matter if it's somebody who is a master already or someone who is just starting, you know, because if it's pure, if it's... Um, imp is, if, if, it, if, it, if it touches my heart, I know I can learn from them. So that's that's how... I get inspired, like, yes, all the time. Interesting. I, I remember meeting uh, Malatu Ostapke um, at the Brighton Festival and interviewing him once upon a time, and obviously I never would have discovered him had he, had he not been on, you know, the, the artist list for that particular festival, and I was running a radio station at the time, and Brian Eno was guest artistic director, and, you know, that for me was, like, the biggest joy of all, was discovering all the different musicians and all the literary artists and everything that came with that, and that was my first, I think, fascination with, like, Ethiopian jazz and learning about that genre was which probably isn't something that would have naturally come into my world but I think suddenly I don't know if I just grew up a little bit but I really got quite into jazz after that and um I don't know I don't think I've ever heard like a harp on a jazz record before I've got to be honest maybe I need to write down some of the names that you've mentioned and have a little moment where I go and uh, take a foray into the world of jazz and harpists so it's very interesting so you've got two albums already recorded of like Harp with jazz. Yes. I've recorded my first album as a solo album. It came out in 2005, I think. It was just my solo recital where I put some jazz pieces along with classical. But it was like a transition into jazz. And then inspiration came in 2017. And uh, last year, uh, 2022, we signed with BB Records and uh, we recorded... Uh, reflections it's a double album double lp which got also really amazing reviews and we've traveled uh, everywhere really with this album uh, in europe um next album is gonna be altera vita with tony coffee on saxophone me on harp and we both do some hand percussions on on this album as well and it's coming next year like first single is already out uh, Altera Vita and then um, the se uh, the first single of the album will be in I think in February and then the album comes uh, on March April in a physical kind of uh, form already and all, obviously on all digital platforms so we're very excited about it how did you meet Tony Coffey Wow, Tony Coffey is a legend. I didn't know about how important he is in um, jazz scene. I only heard of his name, but, you know, I was a little bit like a baby coming to London, you know, 10 years ago. Um, I knew lots of musicians from records, but I didn't know anybody um, uh, like one-to-one. -one. I didn't meet anyone, so I went to a concert to a friend's concert who was um, in his band uh, playing percussion and he invited me and uh, it was a beautiful club 
um, in uh, North London, uh, very small, brilliant corners. And I, I had my own gig at that time, so I was a bit late. So when I arrived, it was very dark and uh, I entered and only heard the sound. I didn't see anybody and I heard this amazing voice of saxophone. It was a voice, not just sound. And I completely fell in love with the sound. And then, like slowly, you know, when I got used to the darkness, I can I could start seeing faces. And then Tony came up to me after the concert and we were introduced. And uh, his smile was so, like, really friendly. And, and, and I just thought, oh, my God, I want to make music with this man. And he was very surprised to hear that I'm a jazz harpist because he never met a jazz harpist before. And we started experimenting a little bit about the sound. And we found that saxophone and harp can actually make an incredible duo. And uh, that's how it all started. Uh, but we also, we both are quite fiery people, you know, so we very passionate as well. So we had lots of fights. <laughs> and we had lots of love, but lots of fights too over the music and how we wanted uh, to pursue our, our things. And, uh, and then, you know, it's almost like we lived the whole life through music with each other. And now we're on this stage when I think we just kind of so chilled and we know how we can get the best out of each other, you know, and uh, we don't fight as much. <laughs> and um, this last album is very emotional, actually. It's purely, purely emotions, but you can see these emotions are kind of mature emotions, you know, of two people who have this love through music, but also have something to say about the, what they live through. So I think it will be very interesting for people to to listen to what we've done. Amazing. Have you ever played at the Jazz Cafe in London? Yes, we did a couple of Jazz Cafe performances. And in fact, in April, we're going to do a big showcase. Um, we will be part of big showcase of uh, BB Music. They're putting their best artists there. And yeah, we'll be back again in Jazz Cafe. So love very, this place. Very, very, very special place in my heart. When I used to work at BBC Six Music in London, I just, yeah, used to just duck out actually in my lunch break to go and, you know, see artists play snippets of their very first albums. And so many, many musicians I remember watching play in that space and it's just you know that smoky dirty very exciting um slightly salubrious little space and it just yeah just spent so many lovely lovely lunch hours in there just um finding new music it's a really 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 gorgeous little spot and there's obviously so much history that's that's happened there so very exciting yeah yeah we always love playing there it's always i've done a couple of opening for um, Omar, I've done the opening for Omar. Omar yeah, There's the singer. Yeah, like this. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I did this last year for him, and uh, uh, I've done uh, the project with Shabaka Hatches. I've done uh, Shabaka. Shabaka Hatches. Oh, Shabaka. Yeah, Shabaka. Hatches. Yeah. <laughs> Not the animal from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, I think about it. <laughs> Similar, yeah. 
um, yeah, quite a few people. That yeah, this 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 place is always. It's also not too far from my house, which I love going because <laughs> you know how London can be. You just drive and drive and drive. It's only a few miles, but you're stuck in traffic, which is actually I enjoy about the visa. That you know people complain about traffic, but it's not traffic really. You know, it's blessing. <laughs> Nothing takes longer than like twenty minutes in a visa. Doesn't matter still, where you are. Yeah, yeah, you're still in the sunshine. It's not like it's pissing down. And you. Just I just used to cycle everywhere in London. Like my impatience was. You know, the tubes were always late or delayed or broken or something and buses were a bit stinky and gross. So, yeah, rain or shine on my bicycle, change of clothes in my backpack, boom. Wow. Anywhere in half an hour. Yeah, I loved it. found it very exciting. I can't not do it with a harp. (laughs) (laughs) Not with a harp, no. I didn't have a harp, though, so. (laughs) Very glad about that. No, you know, it's not one of those things you can just, like a ukulele, you can just pop it on your back and off you go. Um, it's, it's a very big thing I mean Jono who you are working with um, as well on the studio he said that you'd had some some problems with one of your harp it got destroyed or there was a big drama tell us about that it was a bit of drama it wasn't destroyed but it was damaged in the flood uh, it, uh, it was um, stored in the music shop in Ibiza the most safe place with a good air conditioning and everything but the flat about uh, had a um, flood uh, like a burst pipe pipe and the over the night and the water was pouring to the shop so when the owner of the shop opened in the morning he just saw the piano looking grand piano looking like a swimming pool it was full with water the harp was next to it so it was just all dropping on the on the harp and harp was in the cover but still you know it went through so yeah um i was still amazed that the harp um it's a vintage old harp, but it still survived, you know, all this ordeal. And I still could play a little bit on it, but I had to send it to Italy for the repairs now because it's just impossible to keep the harp in this condition. So, yeah, that was a very, very sad story. But I just hope that it will get uh, repaired and, you know, will get uh, its voice back because it's an incredible harp full of history. I bought it from my teacher from Germany, so I would never depart, you know, from this harp. I just want to keep it. So let's keep fingers crossed that they will... They will um, make something right with the, with this instrument so it wasn't actually as bad as i thought uh, so yeah how, how much does a harp cost if you don't mind me asking oh that that very different prices for the harp you can pay like a couple of thousand pounds for or even hundred pounds for a celtic harp or lap harp can even cost like 200 pounds and then you go euros and then you go to professional harps that cost 15 20,000 and higher you know the the most expensive harp i played on was cost 60,000 pounds it's not my harp <laughs> not yet not yet one day working on it <laughs> well you know i always put something in universe and it kind of comes you know to my love so maybe one day i'll i'll get this dream harp too like i said live the dream <laughs> absolutely well if anywhere on planet Earth, dreams come true, it seems to be in Ibiza. I mean, I think, you know, I've seen so many beautiful videos of people playing harps at weddings, and it just, just, it's so graceful. And I have a good friend here who also plays the harp. Maybe you guys should meet her name is Claire Wakeman. 
Yes, uh, I've, 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 I've heard of her. We even exchanged numbers, but we never managed to see each other. Uh, she's always very busy, I guess. So, but one day, yes, that would be great. Yeah, I'm still feeling a little bit like I need to meet more people in Ibiza because when I come here I always have some projects like with Jono, Tulsi, we we recorded uh, the album together so I was just in the studio in the hub by the way amazing space for for people the hub of Ibiza love it and the studio that is my office hey and the and the the studio is so great too. You know, they really made it uh, up to very very high standard now. So that's that's uh, such a pleasure working there. Um, with Tulsi, we, we've done the album, and actually our first single came out last um, week. Um, I did hear that. It's oh, very good. Yeah, I loved did. it. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Thank you. It's very Balearic mm. kind of uh, style, and we sent it to BBC. Uh, Radio 6 to Giles Peterson and he just played it uh, on his uh, show on 16th of no December. Yeah. That's incredible. He loved it. Wow. Yeah. So just like this, you see things happening if you really put put your mind in it and, and a little bit of work and your heart and it's all happening. So uh, the, our album, we still she's going to come next year sometimes. We're still on the early stage of mixing and mastering it, but uh, it's going to be beautiful because uh, his vision and his uh, ear is so sensitive and so deep as well. You know how he feels about music and we found these really special connections with each other. And I remember somebody said to me, not even once, a uh, lot of instrumentalists are saying, oh, um, you know, what is it uh, you're doing now with um, beats and, you know, electronic music? It's not uh, soulful, it's not coming from the heart. And I really think they're wrong because if you're making music it doesn't matter what tools you're using if it comes from the heart you are sharing what is there you know and it could be um musical instrument it could be your voice or it could be some some mixing desk you know for electronics uh, electronic sound so uh, I find it very spiritual and very deep, you know, what uh, what Tulshi is putting into my into my improvisation on the harp. So it's beautiful. So definitely, definitely has a soul. Yeah. So I would recommend this this um, music to 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 have in your kind of background. It will be beautiful. I don't know the album yet. Uh, the name of the album. <laughs> we haven't made it <laughs> up yet. But please watch this space. It's gonna come. What's the plan with them? Um, yeah, have you been out and had a little night out in the electronic world of Ibiza? Seeing as you're a resident now, practically. Not not really. <laughs> Yeah, it's terrible. Playing not, it, but not doing not it. Properly, <laughs> not properly. You know, I went um, to the place, oh my God, what's this called? Near Hippie Market. Uh, uh, yeah, Kasha. I went there a few times. I loved it there. I think it's a very beautiful space, very modern and kind of, you know, yeah. And that was in the summer. And then since the summer, <laughs> I haven't done anything fun kind of going out. Um, but I think 
I think I will, you know, when this albums are now all uh, recorded. Actually, I've recorded another album. I'm so creative and this is just crazy. You know, uh, I've recorded this album of um, music for meditation. And I, and it's going to be with Muriel Grossman on flutes, and uh, I will put some nice um, ambient kind of stuff as well. Tulshi is going to uh, produce it, so it's going to be beautiful as well. So I think when when I I lay out all this, you know, work, then I can finish later. Then I can relax and think, okay. I'm going to go out, but I need to meet more people as well, because at the moment uh, I don't really know enough people to go out with, you know, and, uh, and I'm not the person who will go out alone and just dance, you know, <laughs> in the middle. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. think anyone would uh, even raise, raise an eyebrow. Okay, maybe people do this. Maybe <laughs> I just always do. work and I never know how to do it. But, uh, you know, I love dancing. So, yeah, this is definitely on my list. I think Akasha is one of those places where you can just bowl in and be in there by yourself. Like, yeah? no one would question that. I see people in there all the time that go there solo. Really? I've been there okay. on my own a few times just when I really felt the urge to dance and actually don't feel like chatting. I hate hate chatting on the dance floor me, I don't go there yeah, to have a too. conversation I just want to dance and sometimes exactly. it's like okay the easiest way is just to go by myself of course I'm going to run into somebody I know that's obvious but it's just like you know you can be quite anonymous if you go there on your own and just do your own thing in a little dark corner I mean dancing we're talking about here but yeah uh-huh. <laughs> okay 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 Thank you for that. I will definitely take your advice. And if you see this uh, lonely woman dancing crazy, you know, in the dark will be me. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. in the new year, let's make a date. I'll take you to a cafe. Absolutely. Let's do this. Get I Jono. need to. I definitely yeah, need we'll to explore, explore Ibiza a little bit more because every time I come here, there are lots of lots of things to do professionally and also, you know, trying to just establish my living and everything but this first year was a little bit busy with things you know now when I am a little bit more relaxed about everything I think I can start um, looking for enjoyable things to do and there's I no shortage on Ibiza yay. it's got to be said there's plenty of enjoyable things to do on this island you know what I found <laughs> I, I can help you with that <laughs> great 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 I'll call you you'll be my number one victim for this but you know what I actually found something amazing Capoeira I'm doing it now here in Ibiza on fresh air it's just not too far from uh, uh, Santa Laria so I can just walk there I know the beach you mean on yeah I'm trying to remember the name of it now it's going to kill me the one with the blue fishing huts yes yes yes, yes, just a little bit far not Niblau the one down from that yeah Yeah. you pass it and the next one and uh, the group of the people who do this Oh my God, I love these people. They're such beautiful souls. And Paulinho, who is a master of uh, uh, capoeira, and he is just such a joy to be around, you know, and learn from and all his attitude. And you know what? Every time, even if the day is not looking so bright like today, it's a bit cloudy, you get there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, four o'clock, and sun is always shining, you know, always. And then we finish in the beautiful su- sunset. And it's just great. It's just absolutely great. So I might come and join you there, actually. You know yeah, what? I quite like that. It's so... I, I always thought, what 
exercise I need to do. Somebody else. It's a certain chaos kicking off yeah. in this restaurant. <laughs> there are only two people <laughs> in the restaurant apart from us. Well, there was, but now yeah. it's, it's getting busier. It's, it's getting yeah, more popular. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's just open. It's great for the restaurant. Not good, not yeah. good for podcasting. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Um, I was going to say that... Um, what the, uh, what I really enjoy about ca- uh, Capoeira that uh, you have this Brazilian music, you have like some kind of mo- movements of a martial art, and also th- you always uh, sing and chant in the end, and you learn very nice syncopated rhythms of Brazil, and it's so good. Even for me as a professional musician, I always learn new things, and I love it. And it's such a great exercise awesome. on fresh air. Wow. Amazing. Okay, done. I'm coming. I know exactly where it is. So I will come. Four o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yes. Amazing. Okay. How exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So have you got any gigs coming up in the new year with all of this new music? Because there seems to be a hell of a lot of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to start in uh, January the 19th playing London. Uh, crazy Cox, and then we do Crazy Cox. Yes, yeah, Crazy, crazy Cox. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sounds like yeah. a good night out. <laughs> yeah, that's what they recommend. <laughs> crazy Cox and Harps. Yeah, in, yes, in Piccadilly. <laughs> yeah, so you can you can really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> then um, you can uh, see us in um, some places around. Um, England for a little uh, tour. The I think uh, the um, uh, press uh, night will be in King's Place, which is a great uh, venue. Yeah. Of Carnaby Street, or it's uh, it's just uh, behind the you know this new development uh, of uh, uh, behind King's Cross. Yeah. So oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Is that where like the Cross and Bagley's used to be? Sort of the first super clubs of London back in the sort of eighties ah, and nineties, yeah. Don't ask me that. Very. I was still traveling somewhere like yeah. Mexico, or something at nice. that time. Okay. Um, but um, it's where the newspapers are as well downstairs, okay. and they have a venue upstairs. Cool. It's beautiful, beautiful, mm. uh, beautiful venue. Uh, so uh, uh, that's why we're doing album launch mm. on eleventh of uh, April. And then okay. we go in like Birmingham, Manchester, all big cities, mm. and maybe some smaller clubs as well. Mm. Ronnie Scott's probably all, all this Scott. important. Yes, yeah, love Ronnie Scott's. Uh, yeah. Love Ronnie. Mm. I mean, literally, you're talking about my two favorite places, Jazz Ronnie's. Cafe and Ronnie's. Yeah, Ronnie's. Do you know what? I'm I'm suddenly Jazz Cafe is in Camden. Yeah. And Ronnie Scott's is oh. is the place that I was getting confused about. So the place I used to go to when I was at Six Music is not Jazz Cafe at all. <gasps> I was literally in Camden the other week really? interviewing the um, ex-owner of Bagley's and I walked past it and I was like oh my god it's the jazz cafe but in my head the jazz cafe was in Soho but it's not it's Ronnie Scott so I used to go to Ronnie Scott's all the time and that's where I used to spend my time absolutely loved it I mean two best places Ronnie Scott's we played last year and we had an incredible night there um properly sold out show you know it was on on 8th of march a woman's day you know and and i thought oh my god will people come it's oh no you know it's like mm. during the week and then suddenly it Bam. was like completely packed you know and i think i was the first harpist who actually <laughs> did the ronnie's show under her name you know because normally it's like we i played before in a combo with other people mm. or you know, the harp was, uh, I know a few harpists who did Ronnie's before uh, as a, uh, like, uh, side woman. But if, if you're talking about the harp 
um, lead, leading instrument. It was mm -hmm. the first time in Ronnie's history when they had a harpist as a leading, leading You made history at Ronnie's. Yay. Said hardly anyone, so that's incredible. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know about that. <laughs> uh, then I did my homework and was like, wow, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know, when I moved to London and I started uh, nine years ago, I started pitching the projects with the harp mm -hmm. to different promoters. People didn't really want to talk to me, you know? They were like, what? Jazz harp? What is it, you know? Mm -hmm harp you mean like with strings not like mm. this mouth harp mm. i'm like yeah with strings and they're like nah how can we sell it you know what is it and now look at what is happening now there's so many harpers who work in jazz and pop and in experimental music in electronics you know there are like tons of them you know so not that I'm complaining, I'm actually happy, you know, but uh, that uh, these uh, girls and men, they have maybe an easier life now, you yeah. know, but when I started, I tell you, that was tough. Mm. I was sometimes just in tears, you know, getting the email from some promoter saying, oh, Thanks, but no thanks. Don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah, they're like, no, they would even say, like, oh, it's not my cup of tea, and uh, I don't God. think my club uh, will enjoy your music. I'm like, did you even listen to my music? That was awful. <laughs> it was the situation, and it actually got quite big, you know, and the guy was upset that I actually mm. spoke about it out, you know, because I said it's out of order that somebody, you know, mm. can take this kind of um, liberty saying no, no one will like your music because I don't like jazz Ridiculous. And I, and I did something really naughty. I sent him a video, you know, clip from uh, Back to the Future. Remember when Marty go, goes on stage and he plays <laughs> and everyone is shocked because he plays for his parents generation mm -hmm. and then he stopped and he's like okay guys you uh, might not know exactly don't appreciate but your kids gonna love it you know <laughs> and i sent it to this guy and i knew that i will never be booked for this club after that but you know i had such a satisfaction i loved a lot when i sent this clip to him and actually and what did he say did you get a reply no but you know what? what's his name maybe i should chase it up for you <laughs> i don't even remember thingamajig I, I tell you that bobby I was totally right because 10 years later we have okay. harps everywhere. People play harps in Ronnie's mm. and in in jazz cafe all over, mm. you know, Europe. You have more. Maybe you'll more get an email in a year. You never know. <laughs> stranger things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know if you do. We'll do another episode on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll come to Ronnie's and we'll do a live uh, a live podcast. Mm. Incredible. What a great story. Thank you so, so yeah, much for sharing. Thank you. And, Thank um, you. I'm looking forward to Capoeira and, um, yeah. And dancing. Up, dancing in the new year. Yes, I think it's going to happen. Very yeah. excited. To, and um, we, we, um, I hope we will come back for Jazz Festival in Ibiza because it's Or the Formentera one. Yeah, Even better. Yes, yes. Oh, I did have uh, one gig in Formentera. I was going to ask you. a really nice uh, jazz club um, in uh, Italian, like Italian restaurant in um, and uh, in the back they have a space for jazz and I had a solo gig there you know just with some electronics and it was my first gig in Ibiza I'm going to go there next year I really want to go it really want to go they really treated me so well mm. you know so, so they should. I want to go back again Okay, that's, that's another, another trip we, we can, can do, do together <laughs> yes. cheers I think we should have a little cheers with our Absolutely. vino Blanquino okay. to finish give you a little bit 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Thank us, Alina. It's been gorgeous to, to, to meet you finally after Jono's beautiful introduction that was probably <laughs> about you. three months ago. Um, <laughs> my pleasure, we'll see you my again. pleasure. Thank you so and much. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you <laughs> Cheers. too. Cheers. <laughs> 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 It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel.